mainly tonight, Lord, uh, it will be clear immediately, I hope, that salvation is by faith. Uh, however, uh, what does that lead to uh, in regard to the way we live our lives? And rather than just tell it like I think it is, Lord, uh, I will use a number of scriptures to deal with the subject. So bless this word. Uh, glorify yourself. Uh, Father, bless me that in order that I do well uh, on this very important topic. Uh, this I pray humbly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we have the scripture that we all, I'm sure, know by heart. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him, or whosoever believeth in him, uh, will have... Uh, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, we could go on with that. John 17 and 18 uh, tells us, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the uh, name of the only begotten Son of God. And so we are familiar. Um, we wonder about this question of works and salvation. Romans, along about chapter four, I believe, uh, says to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And that's not one of the verses I wrote down. Uh, and then there's, and that's what Paul said, him that worketh not. But James says, Faith without works is dead. And uh, if you don't think that doesn't sound contradictory, I would tell you, as I've told you before, uh, that Martin Luther uh, wanted 
to remove the book of James from the canon of scripture. Now, uh, he didn't get that done. I'm so glad he didn't. Uh, but uh, this idea of faith and works has been divisive uh, from the beginning, and I mean the beginning, at least the beginning of the church, uh, up until now. And it's still divisive. And there are churches that have a long list of do's and don'ts uh, in order to make sure that we have performed works that are acceptable in God's eyes. By the way, now, again, this is not an exhaustive list of scriptures that deal with the subject of salvation, our faith and works, uh, but uh, they are sufficient in number for us to be sure that we're getting the proper message from them. Um, when people who I don't know often come to our services are times when I've been with people that I didn't know very well. For example, the, the guy in the hangar next to me uh, at the airport uh, um, and the guy who did the engine work for people on their airplanes, people like that, when I would get a chance, I would talk to them about salvation. Uh, <laughs> And God knows uh, what came out of those discussions. Uh, but if it wasn't for one man asking me, Dave, if you know you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Uh, had uh, that man decided he didn't want to ask me such a personal question uh, 50 years ago, uh, who knows? Uh, it was ordained, I think, by God for what took place that night uh, to bring me to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then shortly after, he and his wife came uh, to our house and asked my wife the same question. And that's how we got to be Christians. Uh, it wasn't that probably three years from that point that I decided to go to Bible school and preach the word of God. Um, so let me make a statement. Salvation is my faith alone. Uh, this is a doctrine that, uh, and it's true, uh, that is held and uh, used uh, very 
liberally by the Reformed Church movement. Uh, they call it a solidified uh, doubts, I think, and, and solid scripture. That means they are saved only by faith and they believe only in the scripture. Uh, and so, okay, and I agree with that. Um, but it gets down to the individual himself in regard. The, the fact is, the only persons that know for sure that uh, they are saved is, in my case or in your case, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the, the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost, they know if you are saved, you aren't half saved, you're either saved uh, or you're not saved. Well, if you're saved, you're saved to something and from something. And so you're saved to be uh, brought into the proper relationship with God and you're saved from the sins of the flesh uh, that would be used if it were not for Jesus Christ in uh, the great white throne judgment uh, when God would pass sentence on you. Uh, now, having dealt with this for so long, um, it just, it may be just in the last several years that uh, I think that God has helped me to realize that uh, we can talk about uh, the kind of lives that people who are saved live and the kind of lives that people who are lost live. Uh, but even at that, I will not know, God knows, uh, whether or not there's faith in that, in that heart, what we call saving faith. Uh, and uh, it is something that I've wondered about when I would see people uh, living in such a way that I say, well, gee, I wonder, I don't know how they continue to do that and whatever they're doing is that I think is getting in the way of, of salvation. Uh, I, I, th I think about that. Um, does God uh, receive simply our statement of faith uh, that we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, he rose from the dead, 
and he sits at the right hand of God. Is that all there is um, to salvation? And in a word, yes, it is, but that's not the whole story. And uh, perhaps, uh, and I, this is not one of the verses that I put in my list, but Romans 510, uh, which I have quoted to you probably 50 times, uh, says to us that while we were yet enemies, uh, we, uh, uh, we were saved by the death of Christ. And so that takes, you know, uh, all the burden and puts on Christ. But then it goes on and says something else that goes with it. And it says, uh, and, uh, not uh, how so, how hmm? much more, and oh, not only so. Yeah, it, yeah, it says thanks you. And not only so, but much more, we are saved by his life. Now, what it means, and I'm sure about this, is that salvation uh, reveals itself in our lives by the working of the life that we receive, if we receive it. And again, only God knows, but that uh, the work of our, of our lives or the way we walk and what we do and what we think and what we say and the places where we go and all the rest of our life, um, is uh, brought into a relationship with God and is affected by the fact that when we receive Christ, again, another scripture I didn't put in, but if, uh, in John says, to as many as have received him, he gave the power to become the children of God. Uh, and so we say, yes, we received him. Well, then there should be a power living in us that displaced or was exchanged for the very life that we had. Uh, I like to say, and God made Adam from the dust of the ground and uh, um, made his soul. And then he breathed in him the breath of life uh, and he became a living soul. So there we have body, soul, and spirit. 
and Adam uh, at the very time he was made. And he was made perfect without sin. Uh, but as you know the story, then he did sin and uh, amazing to us that one sin when he would did not believe God and for partook of the uh, forbidden fruit, he died. So we couldn't say he was a living soul then uh, because he died and there had to be some uh, punishment or judgment for sin in his life. And he couldn't save himself uh, for there is nothing we can do to extradite ourselves from our own sin. I had, you know, that song uh, that we used to sing about uh, uh, no, man, no matter how many tears I shed, no matter uh, how uh, I essentially uh, express my sorrow for my sin. Being sorry for your sin will not cover the fact that you have violated the very life and the very person of God. Now, I'm not talking about the law, and I'm not going to talk about the law, because it's another subject altogether. Uh, we're just talking about, uh, um, let's say, iniquity, which is basically sin that comes out of our own heart. And so I look at these people and I wonder, um, <clears throat> are when it comes time for them to stand in front of God, are they gonna stand in front of him at the judgment seat of rewards where uh, in my opinion, and I, as I read the scripture, Standing at the judgment seat of rewards mean, means that God is not going to have one sin against your record. Uh, at, the, at the great white throne judgment, he's going to have a whole book full of sins. And that is the difference the, the judgment seat of rewards will be a judgment of our works that we very possibly thought pleased God, but didn't. But they were not uh, sinful in that they were willful uh, in any way. I have also come to the conclusion that uh, willful sin, as it was in the Old Testament, sin that is 
is ignored. When we know about it, Lord knows when we all get to heaven, there's probably going to be uh, uh, that God will know that we've done a lot of things that were sinful we didn't even know about. Uh, but uh, those are sins of ignorance. In the Old Testament, they were forgivable. And if God makes them known to us, we can confess them and uh, he will forgive. But if they are willful, then we have to sincerely repent of those sins uh, in order to be forgiven. Uh, and uh, that scripture, we walk in the light as he's in the light. We have fellowship one with the other, but something interrupts that fellowship and God is very willing to show us what it is. Uh, and when, uh, when we sin unknowingly, God lets us know about it. Uh, hopefully in many of the willful cases, he knows about it uh, and we can repent sincerely and be forgiven. Otherwise, uh, the commission of sins that, for example, are of admission uh, uh, just because we did something we didn't know about or we didn't think about that displeased God, um, he has already covered them. If, if Unless they come to our mind, they come to our mind, we deal with it. And if we don't deal with it, I would say we are in jeopardy. All right. Uh, now, I may be threading a fine needle, but I must tell you that this very question regarding sin divides the whole of the Christian church. For there are some people who mistakenly believe that every time we sin, we have to get saved again. And uh, that uh, our life before God uh, isn't something that, that where he takes account of those things that are sins of ignorance uh, or sins of, of uh, omission that we haven't thought about. So those are all questions that go in the mix. What I want to prove to you tonight is that God has provided us a savior who paid for all of our sins, both willful and sins of ignorance. He's paid for all of our sins. But then 
I want to show you that the scripture also says that that life that is that is of a Christian does not deal lightly with sins that are committed and that uh, God continues, as Romans 5.10 says, much more he saves us through his life. So it's, it's, it's like salvation has to start someplace. And to many, that is the place where they first realize their sinners. They sincerely confess that fact to the Lord. And they say to him, Lord God, forgive me for that. And uh, I'm going to commit the rest of my life uh, in regard to my the sin question, not to me, but I am going to commit it to you because that's what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter one, uh, when he said, I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him against that day. And so when we uh, make that, that confession that uh, I'm almost afraid to say it, that we, some people call the sinner's prayer, we are making uh, a statement, not only that we give up all of our sins, we receive him into our life so that he can exchange his spirit for our, our evil spirit uh, and uh, that he will make uh, a way for each of us uh, to uh, face our sins for the rest of our life but confess them and be forgiven. And so First John in chapter two says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so uh, if you would, salvation is like making a contract with God in regard to the fact that he is going to deal with all of the same questions. And the only thing that we are going to do is trust him to do that in every case. Uh, and I'm gonna stop here for a minute. Uh, have you understood what I've said so far? If all these people here are shaking their head, yes, uh, I guess that's because I can reach them. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to assume you've understood so far. 
And now I'm going to go to the scripture. So I want you to open. And first, I'm going to deal simply and uh, with the question that we have a savior and that he died for our sins. So I'd like for you to turn to John 3, 17 to 21. We'll start there. And so open up in your Bibles and and you need a Bible to be kind? I'll, I'll look after. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's, here's what we find in John 3, 17 to 21. That's right after John 3, 16, isn't it? For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. In other words, just from inaction, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest. Sorry, may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. I want to make sure I got I got the stack of. of these scriptures in the right order here. Well, if I come to the conclusion that I didn't, I'll let you know. Um, so that was John 3. 17 Now this is John 3 6. 336. John 336. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abides on him. And so that basically says it's absolutely necessary to believe on the son. And we don't, there are 
uh, eternal repercussions. Jill has a question. I do. And, and I am convinced at this point that I've been reading from the wrong stack. Go ahead. Uh -huh. The in verse 21 there, when it does being wrought in God, is that what explain what that means? What does the word wrought? All right, give me the give me the whole passage. The but he who practiced the now, did just give me the, the scripture verse. Uh, verse chapter 3, verse 21, John. Okay. But he that doeth truth, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, what he is that to be wrought? He that doeth truth cometh to the light. Oh, okay. That uh, his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. And the word wrought means that, that uh, our, our deeds are worked out in faith that there is a cross and that Christ is our savior. Uh, when your husband heats up a piece of iron and he hits it with a hammer to bend it one way or another, that is called wrought iron it's it's something that is it's bent in a certain direction so uh what this verse is saying is that if we're going to come to the light of christ uh, and let our deeds be manifest that they are not wrought or made or come to fruition uh, in the flesh, but that, that actually, uh, when I stand before God, the things that I want him to talk to me about is what, uh, what he has done in my life. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll switch back to the right stack. Okay. Jesus said this, and now, this is John 17, 11. John 17, 11, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. He's talking about his disciples. And I come to thee, Holy Father. And what does he say? Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast forgiven that we may be one uh, or that they may be one as we are. So the, the primary word there is that not only are we saved by God, but we are kept by God. And that's why that I use that verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1 so often is because I have committed my life that he would bring it in concert with his 
And, and that is what is called salvation. He would make me righteous. He would make me like God. He would form me into the image of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's of no uncertain uh, meaning to me uh, and, and a source of gladness that my salvation is not, uh, uh, as long as I trust God for it, I don't have to put any trust in myself. That means we are humble. That means we know uh, if we get raptured and stand before Christ, that uh, it is because of what he has done and that he has kept us uh, and that it wasn't the work that we did uh, that make sense to everybody okay this is john 17 12 uh yeah right after that john 17 12 well, there were a number of these in john 17 2. while i was with them in the world he's talking about his disciples while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Now, we don't have to go very far. We go as far as Peter and find a disciple that had sinned while he was the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He sinned uh, in the book of Galatians when he separated himself uh, from the Gentiles at meals uh so he's not talking about us being sinless uh but we're talking about being kept well and there's many issues or many things that god does to keep us for example when i sin i have an intercessor with the father first john well, 110 tells me I if I sin, no, I think it's for John 2, 1. But anyway, it says, if we sin, um, we have an advocate. Uh, the word advocate is a legal term. We have a lawyer that stands up with us. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. What did you find that, Alice? Not yet. First John 2. Is 2 1. Two, it's one. my little children. Yeah. First John 2 1. That's right. it. That's I it. unto you that we sin not. But what, what we have said here, if, if I say, you hear me say, salvation is of the Lord. Uh, I not only mean that Jesus died for my sin, but Jesus uh, does all that is necessary for the one who is truly a believer. He, do, he does everything that is necessary to see that they make it to the end. There's no 
cutting off in the middle and having been saved and becoming a sinner, uh, there, there is no such thing in Christianity as actually uh, in the sense of losing one salvation of becoming apostate. Uh, those who become apostate are those who never did right up front in regard to believing and committing their entire salvation unto the Lord and leaning on him, uh, as that song goes, leaning on the everlasting arms forever. Okay, if there's any questions, you speak up. All right, this is John 17 again, verse 14. I have given them, John 17, 14, I have given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not, this is, this is the important wordage, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Salvation, when it's all said and done, brings us up to the level of the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. It is nothing less than becoming righteous just like he is righteous. And if you want to read about that, you read uh, John, or pardon me, Roman chapter three, which does an extremely good job in talking about the righteousness of God is imputed to those who trust in Jesus Christ. That's, a, you know, however this may sound to you, you've got to believe and, and be impressed that uh, we are as Jesus Christ before God. And we are kept in that state because one of the causes anyway is that we have an advocate before the Father or if you would, an intercessor. He comes between us and he maintains our salvation uh, before the Lord. And now uh, I have a long passage from John 17 again, verses 18 through 26. Now, why are these all in John 17? Now, the answer is because John 17 is the very famous intercessory prayer that Christ made for those that believed or would believe 
that he was their savior. And so this is how he prayed for them. And it's very positive. I mean, he, God, through Jesus Christ, because the cross takes up us in, and takes up our salvation and lifts us up uh, because of the work of another, that is the work of Jesus Christ. And John says this, John 17, 18 to 26. Thou hast sent me into the world. Even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I, and this is for you, my friend. That was, uh, as we read that, we thought about his disciples. Uh, and I think I've got a verse somewhere. It says, uh, of, of all that you gave me, I have lost none except the, the son of perdition, which you know, and I know, was Judas, who never believed in Jesus Christ. By the way, I know some very well-thought Bible scholars that believe that Judas was saved. And I have no doubt uh, at this point, uh, that was uh, 10 years ago that I remember a Bible scholar told me that and tried to defend that. Uh, I have no doubt Judas was not saved uh, according to the word. So in verse 20 of John 17, Jesus says, neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that you and me, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that sounds like Colossians 3, doesn't it? They may be one in us that the world had a reason that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Verse 22, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. Imagine. It's, it's not just forgiveness of sin. Uh, it is that he puts his very glory on us. And we shine with the glory of Jesus Christ. Uh, he says, uh, as I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. You can't be one with Jesus Christ 
except you be absolutely justified and sanctified in regard to your status before God. And that's what he did. And he did it perfectly. And then he says, verse 23, I and them, thou and me, that they may be made perfect and one that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Verse 24, Father, I will, I will, it was his will. I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous, verse 25, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that, that God, pardon me, that thou hast sent me. And last verse 17, I believe, verse 26, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Wonderful words. This is now. I did I read John seventeen six. Yeah. Okay. Now I have uh, as big a pile of papers uh, dealing with the fact that Jesus Christ uh, expects and will work out in our lives uh, in truth his righteousness. Uh, and I have simply in the first stack read to you all or at least some things that probably not a tenth of what I ought to have read, and maybe less than that, but enough that you would see that the scripture declares that you are saved. You're safe from what? You're safe from sin. You're safe from being a sinner. You're saved from being who you were. You're saved uh, from being ungodly, uh, uh, 
all all the sins that you can think of, you are saved from because of Jesus Christ. I am not going to hurry through the next stack of scriptures, but I'm going to save them until Sunday. Um, but now I would hope that maybe a question or a comment uh, has come up in your mind uh, regarding what I have said tonight. So hope you understand everything. <laughs> huh? For the most part. <laughs> well, is there anything I could clear up? <laughs> Not the moment. No. Okay. Um, One of the verses that popped up in my mind was that we talked about being saved from being saved from what? Well, we're saved from the wrath of God. Mm -hmm. the judgment that would come upon us uh, you know uh, if we didn't have Christ as our Savior yeah and the wrath of God is going to come upon the whole world and would come upon us except that we have uh, one who has satisfied the word propitiation means satisfied that the cross of Jesus Christ with Christ dying for our sins uh, and then showing that he was without sin himself raising from the dead uh, that uh, all of that uh, God dealt with on the cross and that's why the cross is so important to us but we're going to find that God did more than just uh, save us from judgment but he also saved us from being uh, sinners are from being the kind of people that we all naturally were. Uh, for it, listen to Romans, uh, if you would. I have a couple minutes here. Listen to what God said about. Well, while I'm here, I, and I have a few minutes, um, mm -hmm. uh, let me read this. This is Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Uh, I'll give you a second to turn to it. Romans 3, verse 21. But now... You remember me saying, you get the righteousness of God? Mm -hmm. 
But now the righteousness of God without law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, friends, that's a righteousness to you. Even, verse 22, the righteousness of God. Even the righteousness of God. It, it wants you to know that he wants us to know that there's nothing left out here, which is by faith of Jesus Christ up unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. <clears throat> for all sin and come short of the glory of God. So we were all the same, but when it, listen, if you're Christian, we all share and one before God is just as righteous as the other. Mm -hmm. Our righteous is perfect, a righteousness. It says being justified that is being made right that's what the word justified means being made right freely by his grace through the redemption in other words of the buying back uh, that was in christ jesus whom god has sent forth to be a propitiation are to be the satisfaction through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness that he might be just did you ever think of that that what jesus christ did in pain for every one of our sins means that uh, first off he had to be perfectly righteous and just in other words he was a good judge Jesus Christ was a good judge in dying for all of our sins. But more than that, to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Now, I was going to tell you, Romans gives us some idea of how guilty we would have been, except we had been made just by Jesus Christ. And this would be how you describe us, all of us. Yeah. 
everyone. What then are we better than they? The question is, are, are the, we better than the Jews? Are the Jews better than us? He said, no, in no wise, for we have proved that both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that, that leaves out even the one is really good, but he's not righteous. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. We're not going to look for God. You wouldn't know God. God came looking for you. Yes. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become profitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues, they have used deceit. And the poison of asps, our snakes, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery uh, are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now whatsoever uh, the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. By the way, we're not. That every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become built guilty before God. Now, I hope you remember the purpose of the law was to make sin exceedingly sinful. And it can't help anybody. The law will play not one iota of, of uh, good in your life standing before God. Therefore, verse 20, this is in chapter 3 still. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall be no flesh shall be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's all that the law can do is show us that we're sinners. I'll say one more thing. If you hold on to one fragment of the law and justifying yourself before God, you will be lost. The law 
can have nothing to do with it. Everything was done. That old song, Jesus paid it all. All for sin he paid. Next time, that'll be Sunday morning, Lord willing, I'm going to do the other half of the story. And what it is going to tell you is that when you start, if you start, first off, if you start with Christ, according to scripture, he is going to take care of the rest of your life in regard to the sin question. So if you made a good profession of faith, you made a good confession of faith, God is going to take care of the rest of your life in regard to the sin question. Not only the sins before you got saved and up to that, and also to every sin between salvation and the time that you meet God. But there are many who presume are many who cannot believe that Jesus Christ paid for our sin. I remember thinking to myself the night I became a Christian, how can this be right? How could it be right that my sins would be fully covered and paid for because one man died on a cross. And now, of course, and when I left that place that night, I knew it was true. And here we are, my friend. May we all know that it is true, and you can know. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I know that this sermon sounds like it's a sermon simply for little children. But Lord, I have seen to my chagrin that most people who call themselves by the name of Christian have no idea of what the scripture says, of how they must have gotten to be Christians and the fact that if they are Christians, that they will continue 
with God. And the proof will be that God will look at them in the end and pronounce them perfectly righteous. How's he going to do that? We'll have to find out Sunday morning. And we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And we thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.